0: everybody and welcome back to Coach's Corner. Thank you again to all our new listeners who have been joining the show and thank you to those who are leaving rating and reviews. It always means so much to me and the show. And as you know, I'm headed back to Australia and have a couple events that are filling up quickly. So if you want a spot, You need to register soon. I've got the training course for any kind of coaches, therapists, personal trainers, anyone who's working one-on-one or in groups with people and really want to build your business as an entrepreneur, as somebody who's making an impact in personal growth in any way. That's April 14th and 15th in Sydney. I'll link that up in the show notes. It's being brought on by Primal Health Coach, but you don't have to be a health coach or a grad of the Primal Health Coaching Program to attend. So again, that'll be linked up in the show notes. You can always find the show notes at christinehassler.com slash podcast. I'm also doing a one-day women's retreat. It's limited to 10 women. That's also filling up quickly. That's on Friday, April 13th. So if you're interested in either one of those, be sure to email jill at christinehassler.com ASAP. We're doing something a little unique on the podcast today. I decided it might be fun for me to be interviewed on the podcast. And I happen to be shooting some videos, and Jill is here. And so she's actually going to interview me. I have absolutely no idea what she's going to ask me. We didn't prep this at all, but I'm usually the one interviewing other people or coaching other people. So we're going to switch roles, and she's going to interview me. So we'll see how this goes. Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Uh, Oh, we should probably say who you are for people that may not know, even though your email is mentioned every time. So Jill, for those of you who may have just started listening to the show, has worked with me for eight years now. She has a hand in every aspect of our business. She's an amazing coach herself and an amazing, amazing person and is completely part of my soul family. And we've done two episodes where I've interviewed Jill on the show, just about – her and her background, and then also about sales and enrollment. So those are back in the Coach's Corner archive if you want to listen to those. So, All right. Now, Jill, I'll turn it over to you.
1: Perfect. And if you know anything about me, I love asking questions. She really does,
0: and she'll ask anything, so I'm a little nervous.
1: (laughs) So, um, but like any good interviewer, I I did a little research. So Christine asked me today, and I was like, what would Oprah do? Because I usually don't interview people. So I learned before every interview since 1989, Oprah said that she would ask the person that she interviewed, and that was 4,589 shows and over 37,000 people the same question. And I love the question Oprah asked because it's the same question Christine often asks. So I thought I'd open the interview with the Oprah-inspired question, which is, please tell me what your intention is.
0: I do ask that a lot of times. My intention, like for this interview, for this interview, my intention is to be present, be authentic, have fun and just share.
1: Perfect. I thought that was a cool question.
0: That is a cool question. Thanks. Did she ask that on air
1: or before? Beforehand. Oh, I love that. Every show, 37,000 people. Wow. Yeah.
0: Leave it to Oprah.
1: Inspired, just like you. Okay. So I got your intention. We'll just start. We're going to start a little little easy, but people are always curious. They ask me even, what does a day in your life look like?
0: Oh my gosh. Every day is different. Um, I do wake up and do my meditation. I do a little meditation, do a little breath work before I turn on the phone and do all those things. And then I really look forward to making my morning drink, which is either it's, lately, it's been more coffee-based, which I need to switch out of. But usually, it's your Mate tea base with some maca and some MCT oil and maybe some Four Sigmatic mushroom blends and almond milk and stevia. And then I go up and I read a little bit uh, or I draw an oracle card because I'm a bit of a decaholic. And then I have some kind of exercise usually. Sometimes I have morning interviews or morning podcast sessions. I'll often do podcast coaching at 7 a.m. to get people on different time zones or have a client call because I have clients in all over the world at this point. Um, and and lately it's been so different because I don't have a regular routine or home, you know? So I'm staying at friends' house, I'm staying in hotels right now. We're in an Airbnb because we were shooting. So every day looks different, but it's bookmarked by my morning practice and and my evening practice, which is a lot shorter these days because I'm usually so tired. <laughs> That's, isn't that so exciting? I think so, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well,
1: well, here's the follow-up then. So you, like you said, you're in a lot of other places. You spent a lot of time in your car recently. I do. I've seen her backseat with all of her suitcases. It's great. So what do you think about when you're alone in the car? <laughs> what do I think about?
0: Well, my actually driving for me um, is an awesome time not to think as much. I love listening to music. So I really rock out when I drive. I like driving fast and I like my music really, really loud. So oftentimes I'm singing and not really thinking. My car is like my little, especially since I don't have my own place right now, my car is like <laughs> my my little sanctuary when I'm driving. Um, but oftentimes I'm thinking about, you know, whenever I'm in movement, whenever I'm driving or flying or working out, that's when I get a lot of creative ideas. So I'll be thinking about a blog or a book or clients will pop in, and I try not to think about things that stress me out, like everything I need to do and organize and all that kind of stuff.
1: Okay. Well, let's go back on the singing thread. If you had to say <laughs> your your most favorite 90s pop star,
0: rock star… 90s? Movie. Yeah, 90s. The 90s were
1: not the best decade. Okay. We'll pick the 80s then.
0: Okay. Well, my all-time favorite band, you know who that is. Uh… No, you don't. Taylor Swift. No, that's
1: yours. (laughs) That is yours.
0: No, you too is my all-time favorite. Okay. Yes. That's a good one. Okay.
1: Uh, Let's go with the uh, simple, you can expand, but do you believe in love at first sight? Love at first
0: sight? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a tricky question. Well, I have different perspectives on that because there's there's all different kinds of ways we feel love, right? There's mm-hmm. straight up like lust where you think that you're in love with some, but it's just like your issues attracting. You know, I talk a lot on the show about issue-based relationships. So it could be that, that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm in love. But really, it's just all your issues are pairing together and it's more infatuation.
1: It's a little personal. Have you had that kind of love at first sight?
0: Of course. I have to research everything I teach. <laughs> think I come up with this stuff. (laughs) Yep. Definitely had that. Um, And then I think that often there's karma. I think I believe in karma. I believe that our soul has different lifetimes and believe sometimes we come across someone that we may not know in this life, but we recognize them on a soul level from Mm -hmm. a past life. So I think sometimes there's that recognition And then sometimes I think there's projection love at first sight. Like you see someone and they reflect back to you everything that you want to be or that you think you want in a person. And so there's that. Um, and is there that real, authentic, knowing love at first sight? I think that it can exist. Like when two souls just really recognize each other as like, Hey, you're my, you're my person to do this thing with. And I think, I think it can happen. I think in the past, maybe I would have said no, but now I'm more open to love at first sight. Maybe well, I'm just in a phase. Yeah,
1: maybe. We'll see. But I'm gonna stay with the love thing for a moment. Someone I love, here's the thing. People ask me questions about Christine a lot, and I usually respond with, you should ask Christine. <laughs> so I'll ask some of the questions I get oh, for you. Um the question I get often is, what type of guy does Christine want to marry? So I'll I'll turn it over to you. And normally I'd say, ask Christine. Oh. What type of guy would you want to marry?
0: Well, they assume I want to be married. That's true. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. I'm open to that again. Um, Well, I I think I joked on a panel at Lori Harder's event. Mm -hmm. You know, when people ask me what my type is, I said, "Well, whatever my issues were at the time, that was my type Mm -hmm. because I was working it out." But now it's not necessarily the type of man. It's it's more um, just really looking for a match, someone that can meet me at the levels that are really important to me. You know, I, I live a passionate, purposeful life with a lot of freedom, but also a lot of deep commitment. I'm deeply committed to personal growth and I need someone that is committed to that type of thing. And chemistry is obviously important. And if someone like doesn't an exercise and eats like bad food every day, that probably wouldn't work for me or didn't believe in a higher power or thought, you know, this personal growth stuff was all woo-woo BS, that probably wouldn't work. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's... You know, I get asked that question a lot too. And I don't have a checklist. I have a feeling and I have my top values that matter to me, but mm-hmm. I'm open to being surprised too. Mm-hmm. That's good. Now,
1: now I'm going to tell them listen to podcast numbers.
0: Gonna... <laughs> I wasn't super specific. <laughs> no, but there you go. That's good.
1: But I, I get that you're, you're open for a feeling. It's not like a checklist.
0: It's not like a checklist. No. Yeah. Okay. I've she's, done the checklist before. It's
1: getting a little nervous. I'm going to maybe go into No, that. no. no.
0: I'm deep in thought. I'm deep in thought.
1: <laughs> okay. So how about we'll go in the direction of your friends. If, if you had all your friends in one room and I asked them, you know, what What do you love the most
0: in Christine? What do you think your friends would say? Mm, I think that they would say, um, well, one, my loyalty. I'm fiercely loyal as a friend. My compassion and wisdom mm-hmm. to them they'd say that. Um, I think that they'd, you know, with all of my friends, we've always encouraged each other to grow. Like we, we call each other forward. And I think that they'd acknowledge that, Mm -hmm. you know, my friends know the super playful, witty, funny side of me, Mm -hmm. the more the silly side, you get that side too. Um, (laughs) yeah. And I think too, that they'd, um, they see my willingness to swim in the deep end mm-hmm. and to um, not settle and to take risks and you know all that because I do a lot of crazy things <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and and go back like when I met you, yeah you were you were building your your friend tribe yeah and you know for those who are listening and you know if you kind of had the question yourself of like how, how do you
0: meet such quality friends yeah. Well, yeah, when I when you first met me, I didn't have a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. And I think I've talked on the show before about how I didn't used to have a lot of friends. Um because I just thought like people didn't like me and I was, you know, I had drama and trauma around friends. And my ex-husband actually had a really awesome group of friends. And I wasn't necessarily jealous, but a little envious, like a little bit like, I wish I had that kind of group of friends. And so I asked him like help me understand how to make friends, like teach me how to make friends. And so he really did. Like he taught me because I like, God, at that time I was 27 years old and he gave me tips on making friends. And so it really was about putting myself out there and asking people on friend dates, but also putting myself into like-minded tribes and doing things I love to do, like whether it be yoga classes or my grad school degree program or personal growth events or whatever, and then just nourishing those connections. And also just the inner work of letting go of my story. Mm -hmm. Like I was letting something that happened to me in fourth grade continue to impact my life as an adult and just letting go of that story of of people don't like me and it's hard to make friends and I can't trust girls and all that kind of stuff because that was a story that just was not serving me. Mm -hmm.
1: Hmm. So there's a lot of things you've done in your life mm-hmm. in a lot of different areas. And I think a lot of people are inspired by that. Uh, what would you say is something everyone should try at least once?
0: Everyone should try at least mm-hmm. once. Well, I don't think it's a it's a, um, one size fits all answer. Okay. The way I'd answer that is the thing that you feel intuitively, you know, would like totally help you, but also scares the living daylights out of you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing to do. Like, for me, and I've shared about this on other podcasts, I don't know if I've shared about it here. I've done plant medicine, mm-hmm. and maybe people have heard of things like DMT and ayahuasca and things like that. And, you know, high school and college, I never even smoked pot. Like I I never have even thrown up from drinking. I've, I never was a party or anything like that. But the first time I heard about plant medicine and how it can help with depression, PTSD, all these kind of things, it's like I knew that it would help me. And I knew I would have a profound experience and I knew it also would help me let go of my – because I definitely had a strong addiction to control and like staying in my comfort zone and everything like that. And so for me, that was the thing that was like, oh my gosh, that would be really good for me. And holy crap, I'm never doing that, you know? So it scared me to death, but it also felt like it would really help me. Mm -hmm. So I would say whatever that thing is that gives you that double feeling of, oh my God, oh, it scares me, but I know it'd be really good. That's that's the thing you should try at least once. I love that. That's good. Okay. We're just
1: going to make it really simple. So if you thought of your phone right now, and if you were to look at, let's say, the top five apps you use on a regular basis, <laughs> what are the top five? You know, we went really philosophical. We got oh to bring back
0: to the basics. Oh, my God. the basics. Those
1: five apps that you live and die by.
0: Instagram, Spotify, Waze, because <laughs> I'm all over the place. Lately, Airbnb. <laughs> and how many is that? Four? I think that's four. One more, um, not you get a bonus point. You're good at extra credit. Um. Oh, my podcast app. Oh yeah. Listen to podcasts. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we'll, we'll kind of go with the iPhone. We'll stay in that category for okay. a moment. So, if you woke up and you had one thousand unread emails,
0: oh, probably 100 give of them would give a hard time for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and ninety nine or nine hundred would go forward be forwarded to you.
1: <laughs> so a thousand unread emails and could only answer three hundred of them. Oh wow how would you choose which ones to answer first? Oh my gosh.
0: I would scroll through and look at the names of who sent. So I'd put them in order of Uh like sender Uh and scroll through and see what names I recognize. And that would be my first rule out. And then I'd delete spammy things. Okay. And then I'd look at subject lines to pick the rest. That would be my system. I know that that's that interesting. That
1: sounds good. I just thought, you know, this is kind of our relationship. I'm a little random and yeah, so we'll just go with the random question. Do you like pickles?
0: Um, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, but I like those butter pickles. I don't think those are good for you.
1: Oh, those aren't good though.
0: They are so delicious. <laughs>
1: okay. We'll go a little deeper now. So uh, let, let's look at your finances. After the yeah, yeah. See, so we gotta we to keep it random. You go, you go, pickles, and then you go a little deeper. So let's so let's talk about money for a moment. <laughs> when looking at your finances, what would you say you spend the most money on in a year?
0: Oh, my own personal development for sure. My own coaches, healers, training—that's it for sure. And that I find has the best ROI. Also, like whenever I – and that's when, you know, whenever we're enrolling programs mm-hmm. and, you know, like the workshops I have coming up in Australia or the one we have here mm-hmm. and our retreats and even with clients, why I feel so congruent in selling mm-hmm. and inviting people in because mm-hmm. I've seen over – and I mean, I've spent hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on my own personal development, mm-hmm. but it's it's always come back. And that's the thing. I mean, you see it. That's mm-hmm. what moves the needle in our business more than anything is is my own investment in myself.
1: Yep. I love that. So another question that I often get in the last couple weeks and the last couple months, um, people ask me, so where's Christine going to live? And I always <laughs> say you should ask Christine. So I'm just going to ask her so I can refer people. So where are you going to live? I don't know. Well, my answer just for everyone knows is Anywhere, but anywhere really, really freezing.
0: I support whatever choice she makes. Yes. I'm not moving to Minneapolis. Um, But I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to live. I feel like um, this year might be a year of not knowing. And it's such a great growth opportunity for me and Mm -hmm. uh, something I never – I'm doing a lot of things lately that I never thought I'd do. That's true. But honestly, the not having a – permanent address is helping with all that mm-hmm. because it's showing me living outside the norm and doing something that I never thought I could do just how much freedom mm-hmm. that frees up and and also it's showing me how supported I am by the universe mm-hmm. you know I've always had a place to stay things have always worked out I'm always in the right place at the right time I'm having trouble finding some things you know <laughs> like I can't I feel very disorganized in a lot of ways, but that's also good for me in a sense because Mm -hmm. as a Virgo, recovering, control freak, type A personality, it's been good to surrender and to not Mm -hmm. know. Yeah. So I don't know. The question is, I don't know. I do still really love the San Diego area. Like, I really love it here. I feel good here. Um, But I don't know.
1: We'll take that. So I'm assuming, too, your intuition will ultimately answer where you'll be. Yeah. And I think you get asked the question a lot. Yes, I do. How are you so intuitive? How do I develop intuition? Share a little bit more about your relationship to intuition. And Mm. um, I guess the question would be, how does one deepen in their own intuition?
0: Well, I've always, um, since I was little, had a pretty strong connection with my intuition, but I turned it off for many years. I can remember being a little girl and knowing things and feeling things. And I think as kids, we're all highly intuitive. And then we sort of shut it down because we don't understand it. No one explains it to us. It can be scary if we don't really understand what's happening. Um, When we're highly intuitive, we're also highly sensitive. So we can tend to pick up other people's emotions and that doesn't always feel good. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think I I really shut it down. And it was only – later when I really got on the personal development path and I got off antidepressants and I started doing more of the emotional release work, that my intuition started to kick in again. So a big part of my intuition being stronger again was my own healing. Because I think when we have a lot of unresolved issues, a lot of repressed or suppressed emotions, um, where we can't calm down our mind, you know, we don't have a meditation practice, it's really hard to hear the voice of our intuition. So I've had to do a lot of emotional release work and I've also done a lot of meditation and and just started to like listen to that quiet voice and a lot of surrender too. Mm-hmm. You know, the more I trust the universe, the more I surrender, the more I feel my intuition. And I've also had to learn how my intuition works with me. Mm-hmm. Like for some people, they get visuals. For other people, they see signs. Um, our intuition communicates in lots of different ways. For me, it's it's more like a direct knowing, like something just drops in and I just I just know it. You know, like um, we were filming some videos today mm-hmm. and I was coaching somebody live and she was wearing a ring and I just knew that the ring ma- like was mattered in some way. Like there was something significant about the person that gave it to her and it could really help us in our session. And I just asked her like, what's the significance of that ring? And that's how intuition works. We don't always know why something's dropping in. It's it's not always super clear, but I have learned when something drops in to not go, oh no, that's random, don't ask that, that doesn't make sense, but to follow that either for someone else or inside myself. Even this whole not having a place to live kind of thing, my intuition, when I knew I had to move out of my other place, it said, no, Like, don't go sign a lease. And I only could have heard that if I had spent the years that I did really quieting all the ch- the chatter in my head and getting a lot of the suppressed emotions up and out so I could hear it more clearly. Did that answer the question? That answered
1: it. Um, the first part for more of you. And if someone – you answered it in your own way, but oh. if someone wanted to deepen
0: also oh, yeah, their yeah. own
1: intuition and become more connected to it, what would you advise that?
0: Well, continue your own personal growth work. Mm-hmm. You know, the – things that are weighing you down make it harder to hear your intuition. So that's why emotional release work, journaling, um, working with a coach or therapist, all those kinds of things. And then some kind of spiritual practice, some kind of meditation, yoga, and then keeping keeping tabs, like observing how your intuition speaks to you. Mm -hmm. Just noticing, almost tracking it, notice the thought that you had, pay attention to it, Notice the sensations and the feelings that you're having in your body because another way to really connect with your intuition is your body. Like how does your body feel when you think about something or how does your body feel when you are around a certain person or in a situation? Because that's another big way our intuition communicates to us. And lastly, don't think you're not intuitive. Like everybody is one. intuitive. So just let go of the limiting belief that you are not intuitive because you are.
1: That's a good one. Yes. So here's something that I'll share about Christine, oh. and it will lead to the next question. So um, you know those, like, dogs at the airport that they could smell everything? <laughs> she, in another life, I think was like a drug dog because her smell is so good. And my hearing. And, and her hearing. Oh, her hearing is like, oh, those two, those two. what do you call those? Senses? Senses, yes. yes. Two senses off the chart. But of all the smells what's your favorite smell and your least favorite smell?
0: Oh oh I have so many favorite smells I love the smell of roses I love the smell of coffee brewing I love the smell of incense I love the smell of a crackling fire or like when you walk outside and people are burning their fires like mm-hmm. in the, you know chimneys in the neighborhood I love that My least favorite smell uh, I hate the smell of gasoline that' oh, so opposite. You'd love, love the smell of sense. gasoline. Oh, I the smell of gasoline. I. Oh, what else do I hate the smell of? Um, like I don't like a fishy smell or garlic <laughs> or super. Well, it's interesting. Like cooking with garlic, I like that smell. But like if you open the fridge and it reeks of garlic, I don't like that so much.
1: So we'll we'll go with that. It's a little more vulnerable of a question. You often talk about judgments Mm -hmm. and how everybody has judgments. If you had to say one of the judgments of yourself that you find yourself in, what judgment do you have of yourself? Oh, Sometimes
0: there's the judgment that I'm not doing enough, you know, that I'm not serving enough, that I'm not living into my potential enough. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's that.
1: That one I do know. Yeah, you know yeah. that. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> okay. Um, I want to do more. I want to help more. Yes, you are. Um, so I'm going to ask you the question you often ask when people are uh, – or when you're keynote speaking. You'll often oh. ask people about their favorite job. So I'm going to ask you what's your favorite job you've ever had and yep. what did you learn? And then I... what's the worst job you ever had and what did you learn? Well, this is
0: my favorite job. <laughs> Not for yet. sure. This is my favorite job. Oh my gosh. My least favorite jobs. Uh, anytime I was working for somebody else, I really didn't like it, but I'd have to say my least favorite was when I was an intern on the Jerry Springer show.
1: Ooh. And what did you learn on the Jerry oh, Springer gosh. show? Oh
0: gosh. I learned that I really wanted to, you know, keep my life together. So I didn't end <laughs> up on the Jerry Springer show.
1: You've done pretty well. <laughs>
0: And one thing I learned was how sensitive the human spirit is. Mm. You know, working on that show, it was definitely a highly dramatic show. And it was definitely a show where people got very riled up. <laughs> there was a lot of fighting and there was a lot of pain on that show. Like I could – I just remember the reason I hated it is because, well, one, I just was doing intern grunt work. But two, I could just feel how – how much in pain the people were you mm-hmm. know everyone from the people that worked on the show to the, the guests on the show and so i thought it was one it was when i first started doubting my decision to work in the tv industry and i started learning that um like if i really wanted to help people maybe tv wasn't really the right way mm-hmm. so I learned a lot about integrity and morals, but also just the fragility of the human spirit, Mm -hmm. I think, is what I saw a lot on that show, Mm -hmm. just how people can really get um, lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Super uplifting. No, no, it's
1: good. It's good. You you made me think of the next question, which is, you know, a lot of times people will ask to interview you and learn more about if they want to be where you are, if they want to start being a coach the question of, and again, you briefly shared your story, but like, how did you get started and what, what do they do to create the life and the business you've created?
0: Oh, if only I could answer that (laughs) in a one, two, three format. Um, well, that's why we're doing the coaching training because we want to help more people with that. I think that what I did is I became my own best client I just became so committed to personal growth and development and going out and getting coaches you know I mm-hmm. always have a coach I'm mm-hmm. always looking for my next teacher um not from the perspective of oh my gosh things are terribly wrong but just because I want to continue to grow so that would be the number one thing like really make yourself your own best client and because um, your life experience will be so much of of your best curriculum and Mm -hmm. the the best way that you help people, but then also having your own training. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing that I'd say is when I first started as a coach, life coaches and personal growth people weren't famous, Mm -hmm. you know? And I I see a lot of people want to become coaches, but want to be Mm well-known, want to be big. Got to have the big online course, got to have the big book, got to have the big following. And, uh, Really, it's about serving and really it's about helping people. So be really clear on your why before you go into coaching. And I'll share something that Mona, my first coach, told me, which is, Are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, Yeah, of course. Like, ah, this is going to be great. And she said, Well, if you're going to be a coach and you're going to be a masterful coach and a coach with integrity, then your entire life, you will be learning. You will be committed to it. You will be your own best client. And I didn't know exactly what she was saying. I was like, oh, yeah, that all sounds good. (laughs) But what that's meant up until now is I don't ignore anything. Mm -hmm. Like, I can't suppress. If something's up or something happens, I can't just skate over it. I got to go deep. I have to learn from it. I have to be thorough. Um, If any aspect of my life, emotionally, mentally, behaviorally, spiritually, is off, I feel it. And so... I think that's part of the commitment I made to to being a coach is to walk the talk as best I can. And I'm in no, like, I mean, you know, I'm still very, very human, but that commitment to walk the talk is a very important part about becoming a coach. And then from there, you know, it's it's really about a mix of authenticity and strategy, being really authentic with who you want to serve and how you want to serve, and then picking a strategy, not trying to do everything. Like don't try to launch a New York Times bestseller and do an online course and do a podcast and da-da-da-da. I mean, you can look at everything I do, but keep in mind, I started in 2005. Mm -hmm. Like I started with writing a book and then I added clients and then I added speaking and then I added retreats. And then I, you know, it was like one thing after the other. It wasn't all at once. Mm -hmm. So choose a strategy, choose some platforms, focus on that and allow it to... Like instead of going wide, at first, go deep.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, talk about going deep. you are one of the <laughs> deepest people I know, and I really do mean that. Aww. I think you bring out the depth in me and in in the depth of you in in your more, I'd say parts of you that are more introverted, yeah, she's the most um just reader. Every time I see you, give another book. You're like, I've read in this book. I read just, you're, you're such a reader and you love information. If you yeah. had to say, I can't just say one, cause I'm sure there's different areas, but what is the most impactful book that has impacted you in your journey?
0: Well, it was the first personal development book I ever read, which was the power of now. It was the first book that any of these ways of thinking was ever introduced to me. And I was confused by it. I had to read it, like go back and reread it a couple times. And what's funny is New World Library published that book and they uh, they were my publisher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But that was the, I would say that's, I mean, I've read books that maybe have like changed me more, impacted me more, but I'd say that's the most impactful because it, it was the, my first, it was like my gateway book, right? It was mm-hmm. the first book that really opened me up to all this So Eckhart Tolle, if you're listening, which I'm sure you're listening to my podcast, thank you.
1: (laughs) Uh, So I go back to the question you ask a lot of people and a question that you say is valuable for people to think about is success Mm. and your definition of what success means to you.
0: Oh, my success is, um, to me, success is living into your greatest potential and that includes how you impact the world that includes service, that includes getting the most out of life, like joy and pleasure. Like, I think that's an important part of success. Sometimes we think success is only what we do and who we serve and what we create. That's a big part of it. But if I think about living into my fullest potential, I want to squeeze the juice out of life. I want to, you know, experience all the joy and impact and abundance that I possibly can. Mm-hmm. So, use the gifts that. I've been given to their highest potential and also just, like, enjoy being a human mm-hmm. and enjoying human things.
1: Yes. Those are good things. Like chocolate. Oh, chocolate's <laughs> so good. So good. So I'm going to wrap it up the same way I started with the the inspiration of Oprah. Oh, okay. Well, we I love Oprah. Oh, Oprah. So, someday, super soul. Someday. Yes. Anyone who works with Oprah
0: <laughs> or super soul... Jill know. at com. <laughs> exactly.
1: So Oprah says, every, this is in the same article, my research. Thanks, Oprah. Every successful person can answer these four questions. And oh, I definitely would no say your success. So the first one is, what is your inner voice telling you? Right in this moment? She just said, it's that, what's your inner voice telling you? Like, think about oh, most um, of the time. I guess she means it, that's keep, so going. It. Mm. keep
0: going. Keep mm. going. Don't give up keep going.
1: That's great. What is your intention? And we'll just make that big picture. These are the four questions that... People... My, my intention kind
0: of goes back to my version of success. My intention is to be present, mm-hmm. right? To, to be present, to enjoy the now and to live into my highest potential. So mm-hmm. Can't just focus on living into my highest potential because I'm not enjoying the now. Mm -hmm. So know that in every now, I'm living into the highest potential and continue to do that. But I think being present, that goes back to the power of now. Being present is a big one for me because I think so much of my life, I wanted to be somewhere different. Mm. I wanted to be older. I wanted to be younger. I wanted to be through something. I wanted to be on the other side of something. I I just didn't enjoy the present. So Mm. my intention is to be present. Mm.
1: That's powerful. What are you grateful for?
0: You for sure. So grateful for Jill. Jill's a huge part of my life. Not just my business, but my life. So I'm grateful for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and very grateful for um just everything that's happened to me, honestly. Mm-hmm. Even the things that I'm not wasn't grateful for at the time, like all the people, um, all the situations. I'm grateful so much for my tribe, everybody listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, truly, I'm just grateful for everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you. And last one is, what
0: is your truth? Uh, my truth, I would say, is the same truth for all humans. I am love. Yeah, I love and I am loved. Mm-hmm. And I'm whole and complete. And I am a spiritual being having a human experience. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for me and I'm sure everyone listening, hope you guys laugh, learned something. <laughs> I had fun and thank you for being you.
0: Yeah, this was fun. If you have questions you want Jill to ask me, then <laughs> email me, let us know. <laughs> and of course, if you want to be a guest on the show and you want to be coached on the show, you can email assist at christinehasler.com and she'll put you on the wait list uh, because the way it works these days is we have a pretty long wait list and when I have sessions that open up because I do them weekly. Um, and when I have sessions that open up, we send out an email to the people on the waitlist first. So again, email assist at christinehauser.com. Say so you want to be put on the waitlist to be coached on the podcast and she will hook you up. And before I sign off, I want to thank our sponsor for this episode, which is TrueCar. If you're looking to buy a car, you're probably familiar with terms like MSRP. You might even know what it stands for, but what does it actually mean? The same goes for invoice, list price, and dealer price. It's enough to confuse anybody. All you're really looking for is a price that actually means something, introducing True Price from True Car. Now you can know exactly what you'll pay for the car you want, including fees and accessories, before you even get to the dealership. True Car dealers will show you the true price on cars like the one you want, all from the comfort of home. And how do you know if your True Car price is a great price? Because True Car shows you what other people paid for that same car you want and your certified dealers know this so they set their true price competitively so they can win your business. So when you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit Truecar to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. All right, everybody, that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed sending you much love and many blessings.